It's what Jesus was talking about with his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. And in our text today, you'll see that in your program on your sermon outline, you'll see that Jesus speaks very clearly to his disciples. And he says, verses 14 through 16 of Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So far, the reading of God's word. And what you saw in those images in the video clip were that those good deeds are sometimes done by rolling up your sleeves and getting a hammer or a shovel and helping someone out. Other times, it's simply one person comforting another person with a hug, with some tender care. Sometimes it's just life-on-life discipleship, helping someone else experience the light and the love of God, and you're coming alongside, witnessing to someone else. And you see, we saw all of those uh, examples, the old with the young, uh, the, the young ministering to the elderly. It goes both all in all directions. Let your light shine, Jesus says, in front of men, that they may see your good deeds and give praise to your Father in heaven. Now, I want to encourage you today with a conversation I had last weekend with uh, Claire, the woman who's the weekend manager down at Buckingham, where we have our thrift store. And And I came in, and she ran over to me. And she said, Pastor John, I just want you to know how enthusiastic people are here in Oyster Bay about your church. And I'm not exaggerating. She went on to talk about just community interest in our thrift store and how everybody loves Karen and her team of women who work down at the thrift store and how she, Claire herself, sees what we sell goes to help people at reasonable prices. And, and, um, and she talked about the food pantry. They know about the food pantry and how we assist people in the community who could just use an extra bag of groceries every week. It doesn't feed them all, but it it helps them out. And she talked about driving past during the week of the Vacation Bible School. And she says, to see all those children having a great week together. (laughs) She even mentioned the, the sign that we have out front, you know. Talk about letting your light shine, especially at night. That sign that's out front there that has Scripture on it, brightly shining the gospel to every car that drives by, every person that walks by. Now, you know and I know that we are not a perfect church. We have a long way to go to be all that Jesus wants us to be. But I want to encourage you today. People are seeing your light shine. And that's good news for us because it means I do believe Jesus is at work among us. And it made me very happy to have that conversation. And I told you last week that we should believe, every one of us, that we have a personal destiny to lead others to Christ. 
that we corporately, as a church, have a destiny to know Jesus Christ and to make Him known together. And we're excited about this. And so Pastor Martin and I, over the next four weeks, as we're approaching Good Friday and Easter, and we're excited about you inviting other people to come in and join us uh, at Easter and, and on Good Friday, we want to just talk about this destiny of witness that Jesus gives to his church. And we're excited about that just starting today. Uh, This is not because I have some vision or our elders have some vision. It's because Jesus himself tells you in this passage, you are the light of the world. So I have three points. They're very simple and clear in your outline, I hope. And they point to the destiny that God has for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Point number one. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that we are distinct from the world for the sake of the world. And this is where it's important to to study the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe we will have a series through the whole Sermon on the Mount sometime soon. But what you have here is in the middle of the whole Bible, you have these mountain experiences mountaintop experiences where God is constituting his covenant people and setting them apart for himself. And Jesus goes up on a mountain to deliver his message to his people. And if you know the book of Exodus, you know that this is like a second Mount Sinai. Because at Mount Sinai, God calls Israel out of Egypt. He saves them and draws them to himself, and then he constitutes them as his covenant people, and he gives them the Ten Commandments and the laws and the regulations, and he says uh, in, in passages like Leviticus 20, verse 26, You people, you are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I've set you apart from the nations to be my own. And now Jesus goes up on the mountain, and he doesn't give the Ten Commandments with their thou shalt not, thou shalt not, but he talks about those very commandments, only he places them in their ethical uh, instructions so that we actually love righteousness. We not only refrain from murder, (laughs) but he teaches us not to hate and to love in its place. And we not only refrain from adultery, But he teaches us not even to lust and to honor and respect people of the opposite sex. And and, and see, it's like it's a parallel to Mount Sinai. And what Jesus Christ is doing is he is no longer speaking with thunder on Mount Sinai, but in his incarnation he himself comes and delivers his instruction to his people, inaugurating the new covenant in his ministry. Okay? Now... In this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus instructs his people that they are to be different from the world. But then he uses words like salt and light, which mean that his people are to make an impact for good in the world. It's not just be separate. And we're not going to talk about salt today, but you know, salt brings flavor where life is boring. And salt acts as a preservative, sustaining, preserving life and stopping decay. But what we're going to talk about is Jesus says you should be like light. 
and light shines in a dark and, and, and difficult world. And Jesus is saying, my distinct people are going to be a blessing to the world as salt and light and in so many other ways. And this is important because religious people like me often get it wrong. One commentator I read this week, his name is Ligon Duncan, and he says this. He says, while Christians are distinct from the world, Christians need to be careful because some Christians tend to isolate themselves from the world. And he's a, he's, I like to read him because he's a historian. He knows history so well. And he says that people were like that in the day of Jesus. When Jesus walked the earth, there was this little sect of Jewish people called the Essenes. Have you ever heard of the Essenes? They were a group of religious people who moved down by the Dead Sea and built a little commune, and they were just very happy to be by themselves apart from the world. And I can be like that. I love hanging with my brothers and sisters. And I don't want to get polluted by being with unbelievers. And yet, that tendency to isolate ourselves, to be like the Essenes, Ligon Duncan says, is not what Jesus wants. And then he says there was another group of people at the same time of Jesus, and, and their problem was not that they just isolated themselves. They just got angry at the world. And these were the zealots. Did you ever hear of the zealots? And what the zealots did is they just opposed people who didn't believe like they believed. And they were righteous, but they were angry righteous people. And I can relate to that. You know, I get frustrated with how the world opposes God. And, and instead of having compassion and instead of loving my enemy, I get angry and hostile. And God forgive me. Because when Jesus Christ says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, you are distinct from the world. Yes, you must be, but you are distinct from the world for the sake of the world. And that's point number one. That's what's going on in the context of this. Jesus says, be light to the world by speaking the truth. Yeah, sometimes they'll be angry at you, but be light to them. Speak the word, word and have a positive effect in the world. So number two, point number two is this. We are the light of the world. People talk about what is my identity. Ooh, I have to discover who I am, you know, and I, and I, I want to go and meet a guru on a mountaintop in India to discover who I am. Listen, Jesus tells you right here who you are. You are the light of the world. And your sense of self needs to be made up uh, by understanding this. Now, when we think about light in the Bible, where do we start in the Bible? Well, we start with God. And uh, within the year, we preached through the book of 1 John together. And as we studied the book of 1 John, it, it, John, he loves this concept of light in both the gospel and his letter. And in the fifth verse of the first chapter, he can't hold it inside. He says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And it echoes with the Psalms. We just finished our series in the Psalms. And Psalm 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
And we study together Psalm 36. And in verse 9 of Psalm 36, he, he says, In your light we see light. So we need to realize that God is light. He dwells in unapproachable light, the light that comes from who He is. And now, in the New Testament, when, when we think about the light of the world, we don't start with ourselves. No. Just one page back in chapter 4, verse 15, right before Jesus goes up on the mountain to give the Sermon on the Mount, He begins His ministry. And it's, we're said that as Jesus begins His ministry, He leaves Jerusalem and He goes to the area of the Gentiles... And Matthew tells us he did this to fulfill what was said to the prophet Isaiah. Now listen to this. As Jesus inaugurates his ministry, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so as Jesus begins his ministry preaching, light is breaking into the darkness as he comes. And you go back to the Apostle John in, in, in the Gospel of John. And as in chapter 1, when he's trying to describe the incarnation, he says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. No, they didn't understand that the light had come, and yet it came. And so Jesus, by the time we get to John chapter 8, Jesus gets in front of this big crowd of people, and finally announces, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus teaches us, yes, God is light, and He is the light of the world. But if you follow Jesus, if you are a Christian, if Jesus lives in you, then He transfers that to you, and you have the light of life. And that's why, now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus can say to his people, you are the light of the world, because you're in union with me. My life is in you. So Christian, Christian, if you say, I'm a Christian, and you know, you say, I am the light of the world. That's your identity. That's who you are. Now, your, your wife might look at you and say, you're the light of the world. You might look at your wife and say, you're the light of the world. And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. It's incumbent on us then to learn how to let that light shine and to let it shine. This is really interesting because, again, what's going on in the Sermon of the Mount, on the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus is both speaking to his disciples and, if you know what's going on, he's speaking against some other people, against the Pharisees. And who were the Pharisees? They were these religious professionals. And I, and I just want to point out one thing about um, how, what Jesus is saying when he says to his disciples, you all are the light of the world. It's this. In the mind of the Pharisees, you had the common people, the regular people, and then they were the professional religious people, and they considered themselves to be the light of the world. They did. It was a two-tiered religious structure. 
the really super holy people who were the light and then the common folk. And so when Jesus said to all of us, y'all are the light of the world, y'all or all y'all, as they say down south, all y'all are the light of the world, it gave the Pharisees whiplash and it caused the people to sit up and take notice. All of us? Yes, all of us. We who belong to Jesus Christ, every one of us. That's why in our church we have these core values. And if you went through the membership orientation class, we talk about that value of every member ministry. And that's really precious to the DNA of our church. Every member ministry. It's not just Pastor Martin or it's not just Pastor John. Every Christian is a minister and a messenger and a manager of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All y'all, every one of you. And you can't just say, well, I sit on the bench. I'm on active reserve. I'm on injured reserve. You're not just on injured reserve. You're not on reserve. Every one of us is to be in the game, letting our light shine. And Jesus explains this so wonderfully. He says, it is impossible for you to hide a city on a hill A city on a hill cannot be hidden. What does that imagery uh, bring to your mind? Well, the city on the hill was Jerusalem, the city of God, the city where the temple of God was lit and where the glory of God dwelt. And the pilgrims would come from all uh, all over Israel and they would see As dusk fell, the light shine. And their hearts would quicken as they made their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, you don't want to hide that. Jerusalem, the place of refuge. The city, the place of safety. And Jesus is saying, church, you are a place of refuge. Church, we are a place of safety. For whoever comes through our doors, whoever becomes our friend, We represent what the city of God was. You are the light, the city on the hill. Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no temple in Jerusalem anymore. Why? Because you are the temple. We are the temple of God, the dwelling place of His Holy Spirit. And people come and they find safety and refuge and light here. And Jesus says, not only can it not be hidden, but it shouldn't be hidden. You don't have a lamp and then put a bowl over top of it. And how absurd that sounds, but why would Jesus say that? I think he says it because he knows us. He knows our tendency to withdraw and to, to, to be secret service Christians. I'm in the secret service. You know, He knows our tendency to be ashamed. And so he says to me, he says, John, you don't hide it under a, a basket or under a bowl. No, you let it shine. But, but if, if, I, if, I, if I let it shine, then they're going to know. He says, take it off. Don't be ashamed of me. Let your light shine. Don't hide it. 
Oh, but my religion is private. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Or maybe you've said it. My religion is private. It's very deep. It's very deep in me. It's very private in me. Well, what are you really saying? I've got this bowl. I've got my light. And I'm hiding it. Don't do that, Jesus says. He says, I know. I know you're tempted to. Jesus is, he understands us so well. I know you're tempted to, but don't. He says, let it shine. If you're a student of paintings, of artwork from the Middle Ages and even earlier in the, in the Byzantine era, you know when they would do paintings of Christians, there was always something around the head of the saint. What was it? A halo. It was always a halo, and we look at that, and we even make fun of that perhaps a little bit. But what was, the, what was the painter getting at? What was the point? They were saying, this saint, this person set apart for God, is shining. And the halo represents what Jesus is talking about here. Let your light shine. Well, that's the third point. We come right to the third point. Let it shine. And he tells us explicitly how to do this. It's really interesting. He says, let your light shine before men. And that means women too. Let your light shine in front of other people. And you live in such a way that your life bears witness to the fact that I'm living inside of you. Let it shine in front of other people. And as soon as I say that, I bet there's somebody here who says, now, not so fast, Pastor. Because in the very next chapter, chapter 6, in the same Sermon on the Mount, doesn't Jesus say, do not do your acts of righteousness in order to be seen by men? What's going on here? Aha! Isn't there a contradiction in the Bible? Isn't Jesus contradicting himself? And I think intuitively you understand that though Jesus condemns the Pharisees who do acts of righteousness just to be seen by men, there's a huge difference from what he's talking about here. And it has to do with who is seen. When the Pharisees came to bring their offering, they had somebody blowing a trumpet, you know, and they had people who would follow behind and applause as they, they dropped their money in. Well, who did they want to be seen? Themselves. But Jesus is telling us here that we are to let people see us do our good works so that they would see who? Our Father in heaven. And would glorify him. And Jesus says, that's perfectly all right with me. In fact, that's the way it's supposed to be. And I don't know about you, but when I saw that video clip of all those people working, you know, uh, working with children, helping uh, people who are struggling, people giving comfort and praying with other people, it incited in, inside of me praise to my heavenly Father. And that's what we want to see happen among us here. We're talking about evangelism. We're talking about getting the message of Christ 
out to our community, to our neighbors, to our colleagues, to our family, and to our friends. And as we think about this over the next several weeks, Martin and I, we want you to know that, that evangelism, the witness, the shining of the light, it happens in stages. I'm a big fan of a fellow named Dwight Smith, who's a church leader, and Dwight Smith, he talks about what he calls 3P evangelism. 3P, it's three words that start with P, the letter P. He says there's presence, then there's proclamation, and then there's persuasion as the light shines. It begins with presence, just the very presence of Christians doing good deeds in their community that causes people to take notice presence as you give a cup of cold water. You know, you say, I can't go to Central America up into the mountains and build houses for poor widows who live in tin shacks. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Youth for Christ will always take you on one of their summer trips if you want to go. But Jesus says, if you have a cup and a spigot, go find somebody who's thirsty and take them a cup of cold water, and they will smile, and they will thank you. You see somebody who's hurting, what do you simply say to them? You say, can I be with you? Just go and sit with somebody. I was at a meeting of a group of local leaders not long ago, and the rabbi here in Oyster Bay came to the meeting. And as people were talking, he stood up and he said, I want you to know that this has been a hard year for me, but the highlight of the year for me was when, and he pointed at me, he said, when Pastor John got a a couple of people in the community, when my mother died, and they came and sat Shiva in my living room with me. It was just presence. Presence. That's what sitting Shiva is about in the Jewish community. It's just presence. We sometimes don't think. We don't realize. I certainly didn't. What an impact that makes on somebody. Just being with them. Thank you for coming. There's presence. And then, of course, there's proclamation. And proclamation is is just the the preaching of the word, sermons. Or your witness to somebody, let me tell you what the Lord's done in my life. Or Bible distribution, literature distribution. Here, I'm not very good at talking, but I'll give you something good to read. That's proclamation. And then there's persuasion, and we touched on this last week. Light and heat comes from the Holy Spirit of God We do apologetics, we make our arguments, but then the Holy Spirit comes and brings light to somebody's mind. He opened their minds. Remember last week? He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And He explained the Scriptures to them. And what happens is that the unbeliever discovers that they are a believer. And the self-reliant, self-made man 
discovers that he is now dependent on Jesus Christ as his Lord and Master and Captain of his soul. And the unchurched person finds themselves in love with the body of Christ and can't wait to be with the people of God. Presence, proclamation, persuasion. I think at North Shore Community Church, this is a natural part of our DNA. And it has to be. It's this first P, presence, that Jesus is addressing here. Let them see your good deeds. And the word he chooses to use for good is an unusual and uncommon adjective. It is the word kalos, which means beautiful. Not just good in terms of morally good, but beautiful deeds. And it's interesting. The deeds that he has for you to do will be attractive to other people. They'll be winsome. They'll be beautiful to those who see them. So you come on a, on a Saturday morning in this, in this room downstairs, and you watch Maggie and Bill Melcher greet people who come into the food pantry with dignity and with love and with a word of prayer and a word of encouragement. And you might want to join in with that. Maybe you'll be around on a Friday afternoon as Jim Westbrook welcomes in some of the mentally disabled people from AARC into our building, and they come every week, and he's coached them how to set up the food pantry and how to stuff the bulletins. He gets them ready for them to come and stuff the bulletins, and he has a kind word for them. It's full of grace to them. Maybe you'll go with Bruce Mosbach down to the Bowery Mission. Maybe you'll go with John Morkin to Youth for Christ. Maybe you'll go with the ladies of our book club who have invited many non-Christians to come and just talk and think about some piece of literature so that they can shine the light into their life. Maybe you'll watch as Jamie and Austin put together a video clip for Palm Sunday and we'll invite other teenagers to come and see the gospel of Jesus Christ through the video they put together. Maybe you'll go with Woody on one of his classic hospital visits where he brings comfort and encouragement to somebody who's hurting and afraid. Maybe... You'll help every teenager raise $60 to feed a child for a year. They take this soy and rice and spice and, and you add four to five cups of water to it and it's going to feed boiling water. It's going to feed a child in Haiti who desperately needs it. Maybe, maybe, like we did last year, you say, what can I do? Like we did last year for Easter, in two weeks, we're going to hand out five or ten of these to you and invite you to go to your neighbors and say, my church is having a fun drive, an Easter food drive, an Easter food drive. And I'd like to give this bag to you. I'm willing to pick it up, or even better, if you're willing to come and bring it with you on Easter Sunday and be our guest at church to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we'd like you to do this. And you see what this will be for you is just one way to have presence in the community and let your light shine. We sing the song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. 
Let it shine. The end result, if you think about it, the end result is not that they see me. What do they see? They see the cross. They see the Lord Jesus Christ. The light shines, but it's not on me, and it's not on you. And, the, and it shines brightly. It reflects Jesus Christ and what he's done. Isn't, doesn't that get you excited? That's what we want them to see. And those people who see it, it says, will praise our Heavenly Father. They become worshipers. They actually become worshipers. And that's the goal. They become worshipers of our Father who is in heaven. How do you spend your time? Where do you invest your money and your energy? Where do you invest it? We invest at church in those things that bring glory to our Savior. That's what we do so that men, women, and children will glorify our Father who's in heaven. So right now, I'm inviting you to invite the Lord to show you where he wants your light to shine. I don't know where it will be, but I'm excited to see, and we're excited to be alongside you as you let your light shine. We'll do it together. Let's bow our heads. Let's go to the Father now and say, Lord, set me free to let your light shine. Lord, we've heard you this morning, and you have said, I want you to be light in a dark world. We pray that that as a family, as a church family, we'll be like a city set on a hill. That we will be distinct from the world, seeking to put off sin and to put on holiness and to walk in love. But we will be distinct from the world for the sake of the world. And I ask you to deliver me, to deliver us from sins of pride and self-protection, laziness, unholy priorities that cause me to put my light under a basket. And instead, Lord, today I, I take off that that bowl, that basket, so that other people will become praisers of you, worshipers of you. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of glory, honor, and power. Let the world see your light and live, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.